Hi, thanks so much for joining us. I'm old enough to re remember Saturday night slideshows with the family. Dad would get out the slide projector, um, dim the lights, mum would have a special treat out and we'd sit around as a family with the fire going and, and, and look at snapshots of our family, maybe on holidays or a picnic or a barbecue. Inevitably, there was a, a slide upside down and so forth, but um, we'd always laugh about that, um, endure the process of getting it up the right way, but, but always enjoying some of those special memories that had been, been captured on film. Well, our passage today has three snapshots of, of God's family. And, and that's important because the gospel is the, the power of God unto salvation, but it always comes wrapped in a package. And God's preferred package is the church. And we're going to see that as this, this passage unfolds. God wraps the gospel in the package of his church. Our passage today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 7 through to verse 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 to 12. Let me read that to you. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You were witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Well, the first little snapshot there we have in verse 7 is, instead we were like young children among you. The NIV and the NLT record that. Your version might say gentle, but, but the word there literally translates as, as like young children. And it's, it's said in contrast to Paul using his apostolic authority, perhaps, as a way of imparting the gospel. Paul reminds them that, that he and Silas and Timothy didn't come and assert their authority. In fact, they actually came amongst them like, like little children. Now, when I, I think of this, I, I have a picture in my head clearly of my two grandchildren, Finley and Hazel, who are just under two, or Finley just turned two, but they're such a delight. But I can, uh, I can recall many moments where they'll walk around the, the garden um, just holding hands together, just in awe and wonder at the world around them. They're so gentle and so unthreatening. They are absolute, an absolute delight. And that's the, that's the picture that I get of Paul, Silas and Timothy. They came in a gentle fashion and very, very unthreatening. Why is this important? Well, well, we know from chapter 1, verse 6, that the Thessalonians had undergone severe suffering. What might that be like? Well, for Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they had to endure rioting. Uh, they had false allegations brought against them. Um, the, the opposition included stirring up division and trouble and then projecting that onto them. It was it was fairly harsh, and they'd also come from a similar situation uh, to that in Philippi. Well, now the new Christian believers there in, in Thessalonica, they were enduring this same kind of opposition, and Paul knew 
that it was a was a pretty tough situation that they faced. Uh, and who were they enduring this opposition from? Well, it was actually coming from people that they might have formerly thought of as brothers and sisters. It was coming from the Jews. And, and that made it perhaps even more difficult for them to endure. Essentially, we're talking about here the gospel coming to people who were coming from a dysfunctional family. It's a good reminder to us as a, as a church when we consider the fact that God loves to, to embed his, his gospel in the church or package his gospel in the church, that when we're involved in evangelism and discipleship, we will encounter people who are coming from difficult situations, perhaps even a, a abusive or dysfunctional families. But life is tough and they carry the wounds of that for all sorts of reasons uh, they cover up insecurities and all manner of things with various addictions and and so on. And, and it's a reminder that, that when we come to them with the gospel, to come as children, uh, gentle and unthreatening, because people are already coming from very, very painful and challenging situations where they are experiencing much opposition. There's two ways to get ice off a window. You can chip away at it. Well, you can just light a warm fire and, and let it melt. As, as Christians, um, when we take that gentle, unthreatening approach, uh, it's, it's got the same invitation as a nice warm fire. And, and, and this is the way that Paul, Silas and Timothy came and shared the gospel amongst the, the Thessalonians. Later in, verse, in, in that verse, same verse, verse 7, um, Paul switches imagery now and, and he says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you as well. So here's the second snapshot. The first one is of young children, and the second snapshot is of a, of a caring mother. Paul goes on to say that we showed our care in, in two different ways. Firstly, by sharing with you the gospel. We had this good news, this amazing news, and we didn't hold it into ourselves. No, nope, we cared too much for you. We shared it with you. But not just the gospel, but our lives as well. And Paul is, Paul is showing here perhaps a little bit of the way that they may have spent their time over those three weeks. I've got no doubt whatsoever that they accepted the hospitality of others and, and entered into different people's homes. And as they had opportunity, they would have showed hospitality as well. And, and, and they were able to share their lives, so two aspects of their lives. Firstly, their conduct, which was on display. And Paul says, you, you noted our hard toil and, and the hardship that we went through. But secondly, our character. You know, in fact, you are witnesses to the fact that we lived holy and righteous and blameless lives among you. You know, when you live in community, um, your, your conduct and your character is on display for people to see. And it's a great witness. It's why I think often in the New Testament, elders are encouraged to, to show hospitality to others, to invite people into their home and to, to let them actually see them, their, their marriage and their family right up, right up close. However, we might object that, isn't there a danger in that? You know, letting, letting people into our very lives, letting them see, see us up close. Isn't there a danger that, that we could be misunderstood, that we could be misrepresented, that, that, that things could go wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Nonetheless, the model stands. I, I wonder if it's for that reason that Paul says, you are witnesses of these things. And then he says, and so is God. <laughs> In other words, even if you didn't witness this, even if you choose to misrepresent us, even, even if you see things a, a little bit differently, this we know, God is also our witness. So is God. God is our witness of how we conducted ourselves and God is our witness of our character, that, that we are holy, that we are righteous and that, that we are blameless. Sometimes um, we will be misrepresented and we will be misunderstood. And so we go back to basics at that, those times and we, we, we choose which coat are we going to wear. Are we going to, to wear the coat that others present to us that we should wear? Are we going to, to wear the kind of coat of our own making, our reputation and so forth? Or are we going to, going to choose the, the coat of, of that righteousness which is in Christ alone? To, to put that on us and to say, in Christ, this is how God sees me and I choose this, this coat. Um, that helps us actually be bold enough knowing who we are in Christ, to put ourselves out there again and again and again in evangelism and discipleship, to open our lives to others and to, and to hopefully give them a glimpse of, of who God is. And then Paul moves on to, to a third image as well in, in verse 11. He says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That's a, a very precious and vivid image. But this is the third snapshot. The first was like a young child. The second was like a caring mother. And now this third snapshot is, is of an encouraging father. Now, when we read that verse just then, or when I read it to you, um, I wonder what you may have heard. It's very easy to, to just just grab the middle part of that verse, urging you to live lives worthy of God. Oh, you might think, yeah, I've got to strive to live a life worthy of, 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 of God. And, and that can take us down a, a little rabbit trail of thoughts of, of striving and so forth. So forth. Sky Jathani in his book um, With uh, talks about four distortions of of the Christian life, and one of them is, is life for God. He says in evangelicalism, he believes this is perhaps one of the, one of the worst distortions, um, that we have propagated a, a life for God and, and a kind of an activism where it's everything that we do about God, not realising our intrinsic value to him. He was... He gives in the book uh, an illustration of working with um, students from a Christian college who were about to throw away their faith or who had virtually walked away from their faith. And as he, as he spent time counselling them and interviewing them, he discovered this. Almost all of them felt in some way or another that they had failed God or that God viewed them as a disappointment. What they had learnt um, growing up in Christian families and churches and so forth was not that God loves them, but that the God wants something from them and that they had to strive to, to give that to God. Now, how sad. God invites us to life with God, 
not life for God, working and striving to do something, something for him. Um, I, I guess you could, you could think of it this way. Uh, are we in our ministry, mission, etc.? are we working for God to prove our value to him? Or do we, with, with life with God, do we understand how valuable we are to him? And therefore, we're, we're free to joyously join him in his work. They're two very different images, aren't they? And I trust that, that you understand and um, appreciate that, that second image of knowing that you are valued by God and then joining him in his, in his work. You know, when I ask my I have adult children and when I ask them to, to help me out with this or that, can, can they help me lift something or can they help me do something? Um, I don't ask them to, to do that so that they can prove their value to me you know, uh, prove to me that you're strong enough. No, 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 that, that would be silly. I love them. I love my kids. They are of immense value to me. And when I, when I um, invite them to, to help me out with this or that, it's simply because I appreciate their value. I know what a wonderful contribution they can make and, 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 and I would love to do a job with them. I would love their help. And that's how I believe God, God asks us to join him in, in his mission as well. There are, there are two aspects to this verse that we can miss. The first is that before it says, urge you to live a life worthy of, of God, um, Paul says that, that he came to them like a father um, and dealt with them like a father deals with his own children, encouraging and comforting and urging them to live a life worthy of God's calling, encouraging and comforting them. Uh, some people have have said from time to time, oh, I, I, I understand the God of the Old Testament. Well, let me say this. The, the God of the Old Testament is the same as the, the God of the New Testament. And the Old Testament speaks of his love just as much as the New Testament does. Of course, the New Testament expands on this theme and and speaks to us of the love of God now now revealed in his son Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's helpful to understand the Old Testament by taking taking Jesus the the exact image of the father and using him to look as the lens to look back through the Old Testament. Repeatedly in the Old Testament God talks tenderly to his people. Uh, he uses uses such such phrases as, um, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Well, well, the phrase, do not be afraid, that's an encouraging phrase, phrase isn't it? It's, the word encouragement means to give courage. Do not be afraid is to, is to give courage. And it's in, a father will be encouraging and comforting. I am with you. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a statement of comfort, isn't it? God throughout the Old Testament both encourages and offers comfort to his people. And the, and the other part of this verse that it's easy to miss is this. We dealt with you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging and comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God. And here's the, here's the other part I don't want you to miss. Who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Do you, do you get the sense of the the picture here, here is a, is a father urging and beckoning 
his, his children, calling them into his kingdom and into his glory. Um, we sometimes use the phrase, don't we, um, around Vine Baptist Church, that we're all learning to walk on earth as we are known in heaven. We have been called to God's kingdom and called to his glory. And here is the, a, a beautiful picture of Paul saying, I've come to you as a father, um, just in the same way that a father deals with his children, uh, encouraging and comforting you and urging you to, to, to live a life worthy of the calling that you have to God's kingdom and his glory, to walk on earth as you were known in heaven. It's actually a very, very precious sentiment. And, and Paul gives us this third snapshot of, of being an encouraging father. So these three snapshots are a young child and a caring mother and a, a loving or encouraging father. These three snapshots are snapshots of, of God's family. And, of course, today God's family is, is known as his, his church. And the gospel continues to, to go out to a very, very needy and hurting world, packaged or wrapped, if you like, in, in the church, in God's family. That's how it comes, comes wrapped. You see, message um, and, and the medium cannot be separated from one another. God's family is the wrapping for the gospel. The Thessalonians would always remember the wrapping that the gospel came to them in, the wrapping that, that Paul, Silas, and, and Timothy brought to them, um, the, the wrapping of, 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 of a gentle and unthreatening child, a, a caring mother, a loving and, and encouraging father. Um, his church, God's church, is, is the paper that he chooses to wrap the gospel in. The vine Baptist is the paper that God chooses to wrap his gospel in. And my prayer for us as a, as a church during these um, difficult times where we're really we're, we're confined in, in unique ways. We, we can't go more than five kilometres from our home at the moment. Um, uh, truly, in every every sense, you know, you are the the pastor in your street. You are the representation of of God's family in your street to your neighbours and to your workmates on Zoom calls and and to to your friends and family and those that you love as well. Um, you are the one who has an opportunity to 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 be the wrapping in which God's gospel comes to those who, who need him so much. And my prayer is for us as a, as a church that we will demonstrate together the very best of God's family, that we would shine forth with the, the innocence of children, the tenderness of, of a caring mother and the encouragement of a loving father. In order to do that, yes, we need to, we need to remember who we are in Christ we need to remember our place in God's family. Where, where do we belong in, in God's family? And in Christ, we have a very, very special place. We have a unique and, and intimate place next to our, our loving Heavenly Father. 
And through communion now, I'm going to invite us to rediscover the intimacy that is ours in Christ Jesus with our Heavenly Father, to once again know our place in the family and to dress up expectantly for that, to choose the coat that we're going to put on as we take our place in God's family, that coat of righteousness, to be holy, righteous, blameless in his sight. And so I invite you to to join me now as we share communion.